drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo. A desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey everybody, welcome to Conquering Columbus. On this episode, we got Steve Weaver of the Candle Lab. Real excited to have him on, and I'm going to kick it over to my co-host, Mike Minucci. Let him tell you a little bit of background on Steve. You want to tell him a little bit, Mike? Absolutely. Hey, we're really excited to have Steve on the show, and he and his wife founded the Candle Lab in 2006 with the idea for all-natural gourmet soy candles and custom fragrances. And today there are two stores in Columbus, one in Worthington and one downtown, and another location in Cincinnati. They've expanded the store since then to carry wholesale and private label candles, along with a variety of other all-natural fragrance products, and he's spoken at many Columbus events, such as Startup Storytellers, and has been featured in articles for Columbus CEO and the Columbus Dispatch, among many others. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on today. How's your day going so far? It's going good? It's been great, yes. That's awesome. So yeah, you guys got a lot going on right now, and we won't, uh, we won't touch too much on it, but... Kind of, you know, I think the best place to start here is back at the beginning, and uh, what were you doing before Candle Lab? And I'll preface this by saying it's funny because when I think of Columbus-based businesses that I think, like, if somebody had to tell me, like, hey, name the top three Columbus businesses that come to your head, Candle Lab is always the top one for me. I don't know if it's because I've always passed it through the short north, or, like, people just talk about it, but you always hear somebody who's taken, like, somebody on a date there or something like that, so... I appreciate that. It, yeah, it's really become, like, a <laughs> staple you. of Columbus, which is cool. We, that was, that was one of our goals in the beginning. There was, you know, there's so many, there's so many great local brands in Columbus, and we wanted to be just a part of that conversation, so I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I worked my whole life in politics. It's the only thing I ever remember wanting to do from, like, kindergarten on. I never really wavered on career choices. It, it was, I was always going to go into politics. I went to college in D.C. Uh, and worked in politics for 10 years, every part of the, kind of every corner of the political process. And then I just reached a point where I just couldn't do it any longer. I just was not enjoying the work that I was doing. I was working in campaigns, and, and um, I couldn't find enough people that I wanted to help get elected. And um, it just, my I still had a passion for politics itself, but I was just not enjoying the day-to-day work and the people that I was working with. So... So I closed down my political company at the time, and I gave myself like three months to just be open to whatever was going to come next. So I, I, all of my relevant experience, all of my professional contacts were all in the political world. So it was, it was really starting from scratch. So my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, burned just tons of Yankee candles. Like every time I would go to her, her apartment, there'd be a Yankee candle burning in every single room. And so I couldn't believe, number one, how much money she spent on these candles, how much of her disposable income went to this. And then they never seemed to smell true to scent to me. Like they always smelled like a little artificial and they didn't always burn the whole way down to the bottom. There's sometimes wax left over. So I thought if this is like the typical candle buyer and this is how much money they're spending on it and this is the kind of product that they're buying, I felt like we could come up with a more natural, better burning version of that um, and kind of go after that market. So so she had been with Abercrombie & Fitch for a long, a long time. She had a lot of retail experience. So... I convinced her to quit her job and start a candle store with me, and we just took it from there. How'd she handle that critique? Did you tell her that her candles suck? She like, <laughs> they didn't really suck. Like, Yan- Yankee makes some good candles. They just, they were, um, you know, first of all, they were colored, and so, you know, depending upon, you could pick one, you could pick one that you enjoy the scent of, but it might, that color might not match the room you're putting it in, mm-hmm. and there was just always just this artificial kind of perfumey, um, uh, syrupy, you know, hanging in the air all the time. It just never, it, w- it wasn't like true crisp scent. It was just kind of a, a syrupy version of it. So so I knew that like scent was a big thing and people spent a lot of money on this stuff. But, um, you know, we wanted, we wanted to give some people some more options and something that was like, when you took the lid off, you're like, man, this smells exactly like what I thought it was going to smell like. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was our goal from the beginning. Absolutely. And I, you know, I feel like that's a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of ways that people get their start is taking a 
process or an idea that's always been done very similarly and has a lot of the same going on in the market and tweaking it a little bit and it turns out very successfully for the most part. But So how did you get started with that process of like, hey, I want to make candles now? Where do you first start? So... We, so Khadija had the had the the retail background, and I had the small business background because I had my own political company uh, for for several years. So the only thing we were missing was the candle. So we we ended up buying out uh, an existing candle shop that was just closing down in Worthington. So we kind of inherited their their tools for making candles. Um, we ended up throwing their recipe out because it just wasn't as natural as we wanted it to be. And so in the beginning, we were just it was just a lot of trial and error. Like we just had. Hundreds of candles burning all the time. We were passing out candles to friends and family and saying, take this home and test burn and tell me what you think. Um, we knew we had a certain set of characteristics that we wanted in the product. And so uh, we had everything figured out but the candles. And then that part just took lots of money and lots of time. And, you know, we had, we had racks of candles burning in our home for a lot of, for a lot of months. So, um, and so part luck and part just lots of trial and error, we stumbled on a recipe that burned well, smelled true to scent, and uh, was as natural a candle as we could get. So it was we reused soybeans as the base of our wax. Most candles are made from something called paraffin wax. And so by using soybeans, the candles burn longer, and they burn cleaner, they burn more true to scent, there's less black soot coming out of the candle. Um, so we were real happy with the, um, the version that we came up with. Absolutely. So as you guys were going through that R and D process, and maybe that's not even the proper term. No, that was that was yeah. yeah so nice. Like, and what were, um, what like what were going through your thoughts? Is you're just pretty much burning money, and you're thinking like, is there any point where you're like, hey, is this really gonna work? Like maybe Yankees got something going on that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was it was certainly a steep learning curve because you, you know you're starting from scratch. Um, you know, after Katisha had been in the retail world and with she really started working with Abercrombie in high school, and so. She'd been with really one company for her whole professional life in one space, and I'd been in one industry in politics for one. So, so you're really starting from scratch. There's a lot of things we we had to figure out. Um, we did have a we 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 were emboldened by the fact that we had done a lot of market research with people that were buying candles to find out the things that they their wish lists and you know is it something that you use to buy gifts? How much money are you spending a year on candles? Um, you know, for the candles you're buying, are you brand loyal where you only go to one place to buy it or are you scent loyal where you'll only burn lavender candles but you'll get it from wherever you can find it so we gathered a whole bunch of information from the people who we thought were our core customers and we knew that if we could come up with the right recipe that there was going to be a big market there so knowing that there is a market waiting for you if you can figure it out and knowing what the pain point is there of how to solve it um, you know those are the things that kind of kept us motivated that if we could just if we could figure out the recipe and figure out the and the in-store process, we knew that it was something that people wanted. How were you gathering that data? So in the beginning, uh, it was um, just by, we put together kind of an email uh, form. It was pretty rough. We just sent it out and said, here's a couple quick questions. Can you gather this and put it out? Um, we did some more formal things with some online surveys uh, and as we went forward. And then shortly after that, we formed kind of a customer advisory board where we just gathered core of who we thought was our target customers so that we could bounce ideas off of them and ask them about you know price points and about labeling and the size of the candle and, and the packaging that went around it. Um, you know, from the beginning, I would say we attribute a lot of our success to just constantly listening to the customers. Like, I'm not a big believer in writing these elaborate business plans and spending months formulating all this stuff. At the end of the day, the customer, your customers will tell you who you are and what they want. And the businesses that seem to stick around and are successful are the ones who can listen to that and and respond to it and change. And the ones that don't stick around are, frankly, the ones who have, like, this plan of exactly what they want to do, and they just kind of stick to it and run it right into the ground. Um, so we've we've always just built our company based on our customers will tell us the next step. Whatever, you know, whatever they're asking us for when they're shopping with us, that's where we're going to put our efforts to, to figure out what comes after. You know what's amazing to me is that you say listening to your customers is so important. And one thing that I think Josh and I have seen as a common theme in all the people we've talked to about starting their own businesses is that listening to your customers and providing them with the best experience is Absolutely. the key to any business. You know, I think John DeJulius, who we had on, he's a big customer service guy and um, worked with a lot of brands like Starbucks and the mm -hmm. Ritz. But he would tell you that you took the candle industry and said, how can I make this a better experience for the customer? Absolutely. It's, there's, there's, there's never been more tools 
I mean, the, the advent of the internet and social media, there's never been more opportunities to talk to your customers, for your customers to talk to you, and for frankly, for your customers to talk to each other. And yet, the vast majority of companies don't take advantage of those tools. They do. They do not uh, spend that time. You know, they're they're sort of working on what they think needs to come next. When meanwhile, you've got an entire world out there. Where you can just say like, "Hey, what do you think of this idea?" And people love to share with you what they what they want to do. And you you're looking at the information of what's selling and what's not, and what people are asking for. And they come in there like, oh, "Boy, this is great," but I'd really love it if it was this plus something else. And then, all right, well, then that tells us you know where to where to go. So the I think it's it's a it's such a great time to have, be starting up a business already in those early phases because the information that you need to tell you where the market is and what they want is just it's either free or at very low cost. It's very low barrier to to get at those people and find out what they want. But what I think is really cool is like the fact that a lot of entrepreneurs I think come with this idea and they hold on to it. They take all the criticism personally, and you guys are really developing the product as you are getting feedback, which I think is like completely out of the ordinary. I can't imagine how many times I've come home with apps and I've tried telling my friends, like, that's stupid. I'm like, well, you're stupid. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to make a million dollars so you can go to sleep. Exactly. And then I, spend, I sleep on it and I wake up next morning, I'm like, man, that was stupid. Exactly. <laughs> like, a lot exactly. of stupid there. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, if you, you know, you, you want to have, you need to have kind of a core of who you are and what you're, you know, what's, what brand story you're trying to tell. So you can't just be blown by the wind of, you know, the last customer that you talked to. But, you know, if you if you kind of have a core that you stick with, but then you let the market and your customers really guide that growth process. I mean, we I can't tell you how many versions of our store we've gone through over the years. You know, the, the customer experience we have now is completely different from even five years ago, let alone you know ten years ago when we started the company. And and I'm proud of that. I, I'm you know it it tells me that we are always working to get better and figure out what they what they want from us. So absolutely. So I think a good place to go from here. You know, you figure out. Hey, this soy candle is great. It's all natural. It burns. And you go to opening your first store. Were you marketing it early on, or was there a lot of buzz around it, or did it take some time for people to start noticing, saying, "Hey, these candles, these guys are with the candle lab. Really know what they're doing." There was some great buzz early on of just uh, the people who were who were coming into the store seemed to have a great reaction to it. Um, the people who took the candles home and burned it seemed to really enjoy them and come back for more. So we so we knew we were onto something uh, early on. Now, interestingly, my girlfriend and I. So we we started when we were just still dating. We weren't not we were not married yet, and so we started working together in the store. And we realized if we were going to work together for nine hours a day every day in the same store, we we're going to end up killing one another. So so let's get we, married. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So instead of getting married, we signed a second lease and almost instantly opened up a second store. And so we'd meet for we'd meet for breakfast in the morning. We'd head off. I'd go to one store. She'd go to the other one. We'd open up. We'd work them during the day. We didn't have any employees in the beginning, and then we'd meet for dinner that night and say like, "Hey, I got this idea today. We're trying this." Uh, so our, our our we were able to test a lot of different things in our stores and try out a bunch of different ideas. It was like doubling the rate of development of kind of figuring out. Now the the problem with that is when you figure out something, you've got to go back and fix two different stores. You know, you got to you've got to retrofit two stores with something new versus just one. But I think it really accelerated our growth and it let each one of us kind of bring our own point of view to the stores. And so once we had a you know about a year to to figure to fiddle with those two stores and figure them out separately, then we kind of merged them together and picked the best ideas and then we were off and running. So that's an interesting concept. Do you kind of just like A B test the stores with different ideas? Is that yes. kind of how that works? Yeah, and, and and it was it was some of it was conscious, like, all right, you do this and I'll do this, and some of it was just like I think this shelf should be up front. And she'd say, I think the shelf is in the back. And then we could test it. And like after a month or two, you know, we'd, we'd figure out which kind of which one, which one was right. So it was great. We had, we could really, you know, that was like, I've never thought of it as A-B testing, but that's exactly what we were doing at the, at the time. Um, and it just helped us each kind of have a space where we could innovate without, you know, if you only have one store, we're arguing about where that shelf goes. By having each having our kind of our own space to play with it, we could try different things. We could look at the data, you know, that your like your this the sales data and your what your customers are telling you helped us really figure out what the, you know the best way to do those things. Um, so it was great. And then we ended up getting married. I think two and a half years or three years after we started the company. So we got we got so busy right from the beginning that we just kept putting off the marriage. We we got to it eventually though. So so what does the time frame look like? I'm curious when you're making these iterations, like. How do you know, how are you looking at the numbers and saying, okay, this isn't working, or maybe we give it a little bit longer and it catches on? 
A lot of it is gut level stuff. Um, sometimes we'll test an idea and we'll know right away, like, okay, this is it. This is working or we know that it's not working. Um, in other cases, it's just by necessity. So, you know, we, in the beginning, we knew that, that this idea of custom fragrance, people coming in and blending scents together, making their own candles, we knew that, that, was, that there was a market there for that, but we didn't know how many people would take advantage of that. So the, the stores in their original version had kind of a big area of you could come in and buy a pre-made candle off the wall, and then we had kind of a tiny bar in the corner where you could sit down there and blend scents if you wanted to. Well, as soon as people sat down and mixed their own version of the candle, they were like, well, this is obviously a better way of doing this than just taking something off the shelf. So then there started to be a line for the few seats that we had at the bar. So, you know, the, the one of the first Christmases we were in our, our Grandview store, we basically pulled an all-nighter one night, like two weeks before Christmas, and completely remodeled the store and built a much bigger bar because we were just so busy and we had to have more seats at the bar in order to, to make it to the through the, the rest of the holiday season. So sometimes it's just necessity-driven. Sometimes it's, you know, we let it play out for a long time. Sometimes it's we'll bring in... Um, you know, bring in our kind of our customer uh, advisory people and say, like, what do you think of this idea? Does this layout sound good? So um, we didn't have any one system of testing. It was just every day we have to get a little bit better at this so that we can figure out where we need to go. That's awesome. Yeah, and we've talked about this a little bit before on the show, but uh, Columbus is kind of known as a really, really solid test market because of the variety of people they have and um, the kind of reflects America in a way. It's a very yes. good mix of people and... How do you think that being in Columbus in the beginning helped you early on, and how did it hurt you? I think, I say it all the time, I think Columbus is the best city to open up a business in. It is small. It is big enough that you can find a niche in a market for just about anything, but it's small enough that if you're doing something really interesting or something unique or something really well, people will find you. So, you know, if we opened this in you know, a much smaller town, there might not have been a big enough market of people wanting to come in and make their own candles to sustain that business. And if we would open to this in like Chicago, I don't know that anybody ever, we would have never risen to the, you know, to the top for people to, to find us. So Columbus is, I, I don't have to look at, at restaurant reviews or go try to search for, you know, where we're going to eat. I have foodie friends who are always out there trying new places. And when a new restaurant opens up that is, that is awesome, I'm going to hear about it from several people, and then I'm going to go and check it out, and word's going to spread. So um, I think it's a great place to do. People love to support local business. Um, they love to find out the people who are behind these brands and the stories. Like, uh, And then when they find a business that they love and they get treated well and it's a good product, they, they're on a mission to tell their, their friends and family about it. People come in from out of town like, oh, I've got to take you to the Candelab, or I've got to take you to Jenny's Ice Cream. It's it's um, it's great, and we could not have um, we could not be more thankful for the Columbus community in the way that they have embraced us over the last ten years. So, is, have there been any major challenges for you taking? So, you, you had this idea for the candle, you brought it into a store, and you thought, well, you can always open these doors, and we'll run with it. What have been the major challenges of running um, a retail store? I guess two different ones, and you know, like trying to handle something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's over the ten years, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of challenges. I, the thing that I love most about business ownership is that the roller coaster ride of just you know, you you have these like giant days of sales, or you get a big contract that you never dreamed, you know, more money than you thought you'd ever make, and then you wake up the next day and there's some you know disaster that you gotta figure out. The story I told this year at, at Startup Storytellers, within the same month, um, you know, we. We got a one of the biggest contract the, the biggest contract we had uh, up to that date, and so this was like this was more money than we'd ever thought we were gonna make, and so many candles we had to pour, and we're like, boy, this is gonna be huge, and you know we're gonna be rich. Well, boy, like this is gonna be fantastic, <laughs> and then like less than a month later, one of our stores ends up burning down to the ground. Now it w wasn't our fault. Lots of people I wonder if we were the cause of the fire, but it was a whole city block in Grandview that burned down. There were twenty three businesses that were that were wiped out, and so. You know, those both of those experiences coming so close together to me is just the perfect e example of like what I love about entrepreneurship. If if my wife was here, she would tell you she loves it maybe a little bit less than I do. Of just like when you wake up in the morning, you don't know whether you're going to close the biggest contract you've ever closed or whether your store is going to burn to the ground, and you just have to be ready for you know for both of those things. So, um, you know, we've we've opened a couple stores that did not work out as well as we had wanted and ended up closing them down. Um, we've 
tried some product lines that didn't work quite as well. We've gotten some partnerships that we thought were going to be great and didn't end up working out. All of those things, I don't, um, you know, I don't consider them to be mistakes. I consider them to be us trying to figure out who we are and what we want to be and where our market is. And once we try something, if it's if it's not a home run, if it doesn't work, we just close it down and move on to the next thing. We could have probably hung in there on a lot of those projects and some of those stores and and really worked to make them succeed, and they probably would have succeeded in the long term. But I want to put my time and effort and my staff's time and effort into the things that have the potential to be you know home run and have a big impact for our community and our our staff and our customers. So we kind of try something, and if it's not working, we just say shut it down and move on to the next thing and and keep moving forward. Yeah, you don't seem like too fearful of a guy with your philosophies and the way, yeah, I mean, it's just like, hey, if it works, it doesn't. If, yeah, I mean, life's going to go right. on. And and I think that's that's actually really funny about, I laughed when you were telling the story, and if you don't mind telling the beginning, kind of when you showed up and you realized that the store was on fire and all these people were freaking out, and, and I'll let you save the yes. deadline. Before, so <laughs> I was so, the, so the, the uh, it was a Saturday morning and there was some smoke coming out of the top of the building and and so the, the, the fire department showed up to figure out what the smoke was coming out of the eaves, and they pulled us all out of the store. And so we were across the street in a print shop watching you know, the, 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 the fire crews do their work. And then eventually it kind of caught, and then the whole building caught on fire, and it was clear that we were going to lose everything. And so and you're covered in candle wax. You're like, exactly. Why didn't you <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. God, was God, so it wasn't me. It's like, oh, come on. It's, it can't be our fault. Um, <laughs> And so, so I was across the street with the other business owners uh, w- of watching all this happen. And so it was just interesting to see, you know, some people are just very quietly watching it and you can tell they're, they're pretty upset. Other people were like just hysterically upset, just, just you know, lots of tears and, and, you know, some people are kind of nervously laughing, like trying to lighten the mood because that's how some people process stress. It was just really interesting to see kind of the range of emotion and we watched the fire for a little while, and then we're like, all right, well, let's go get some lunch. Because there's only so much here we can do. And so, you know, we head off to lunch, and we just kind of open up our notebook and and start figuring out what we need, what the next move is. So, you know, some of those business owners never did end up opening back up again um, because the fire was just, it was a really traumatic experience. Um, you know, one of the business owners like, oh, it's like watching your child die. And so, like, she just kept saying that over and over again as we're watching the fire, and you know, there's there's good things and bad things that happen in business and, and in life, and you just have to kind of figure out what you need to do next and go and keep moving forward. Um, and I, you know, I've seen a lot of a lot of friends and fellow business owners go out of business over the years because they either hit a bump in the road that they just couldn't hang in there and and weather the storm, or an equal number where they hit a period of growth and success and couldn't figure out how to scale the business and keep it intact, and so the success ended up putting them under. So, um, you know, we try to work really hard to say, like, whatever happens today, we're just going to keep grinding, we're going to keep working, uh, keep hustling, and we'll we'll figure it out as we go. And we don't try not to get too high in the highs. We try to get too low on the lows. We just take it as part of the, you know, I, I, I used to play a lot of poker, um, and I think that really has served me well as an entrepreneur. Like, when you poker, you can't, like get upset over the hand you got or you can't get super excited about like you know flipping over your cards and having some great hand you just have to look at your cards and say all right let's uh, let's play this one out and just figure it out and uh, you can't wish you had better cards or you know pay to have other cards on you just have to like play the hand you're dealt and uh, I think that's you know that served me well over the years I really love that mindset you know and uh, it reminds me actually of a book that I've recently read called Extreme Ownership which is by Two Seals yes. um, great book yes and uh you know, they mentioned the very beginning is knowing your mission and forming a game plan. Right. And even when you face adversity. So you're sitting there looking at your building burning the ground. You had two options. You could have said, well, that's it. We're done. You know, no game plan. I have no idea what to do. But instead, you said, let's go grab lunch. You sat down and pulled out notebooks and said, where do we go from here? We need a game plan to move forward. And I love that. Yeah, we we ended up, we, we had lunch. And so what, and as we're sitting there at lunch, we're saying, it's going to take at least a year, probably two years to build. It ended up taking almost two years to, to rebuild that building. And we loved the Grandview Market. It was we didn't want to leave there, and so we said we've got to we've got to find a place right away. We need to reopen back up again, and so we we went from lunch, and we knew there was only a couple spaces open on Grandview Avenue. So we went looking. There were three empty storefronts. We looked at two of them. We're like we're staring through the window, and like this is not going to work. Then we went down the street and found one that was not ideal, but it could still work for what we were doing. So we called the landlord that day and said, "Hey, I don't know if you've seen the news, but are there are buildings on fire, and we need a new space." 
And she said, well, I've, I've already talked to two people here. I'm kind of negotiating with them. I'll take your name and number. And if these falls through, I'll give you a call. And I said, I've got a better idea. I'll meet you wherever you are tomorrow. And I'll sign whatever lease you want to put in front of us with whatever terms will take the place as is for whatever the market rent is. We'll take it. Um, and we can get this done tomorrow. And she said, okay, I'll see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. So, <laughs> so within 24 hours of the fire, we had the lease signed and we're already starting the demo on the next place. And, you know, we could have just moped around for a couple days or like we could have, you know, figured to try to, you know, gather a council together. And, you know, it, it, to me, it's just, you just have to go right back to work again. And, uh, and le- less than a month after the fire, we were back open again. And it was months before some of those other businesses got back open again. So, and his landlord owns his first two kids, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. so yes, yes, yes. I, I don't advise the taking whatever lease <laughs> they put in front of you. I probably would do that differently now, but uh, it worked back then. So. What, what I thought was funny though, and I, maybe I, heard, I don't think this is how I heard it, but you said some people were crying about it, and they're like, "That's my my baby," and, you, and you're like, "Well." Insurance is going to buy me a brand new, shinier baby in about three years. Exactly. Yeah. The the truth is, like we, you know, we got you get an insurance check that covers the cost of store, and you get to rebuild another store and fix all the problems you had in your old one. Um, You know, like you're throwing extra mats. That's right. Exactly. Like I'm not. I would never encourage the fire, but it's 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 something where you just have to think of all the things that you know, all the things that can come your way. That you just as long as you as long as you've got a good team in place and you can and you can keep moving forward. You know, there's a way of digging down to just about anything, um, but not everybody handled it that way. And and that's what, so. When I talk to people now that are thinking about starting their own business, that's usually like where I'll start. Is more important than your concept or your idea or your business plan. Like, do you think you are wired in a way where you can handle the ups and downs? Because some people are not, and I don't think it's necessarily a virtue. Like, I'm not one of these people who say like, "Oh, you have to be an entrepreneur. You got to leave your job and go start your own company." It's not for everybody. I I. I enjoy the control over my schedule and my pro and the projects that I work on. I am not a good employee. I'm essentially unemployable. I'm just I don't do well in organizations with bosses and and so I, I do this be, because it fits the, my lifestyle. But not everybody can handle the ups and downs of that, and that's not that's not a bad thing. Like if you can go to work and work a great job and make good money, doing something, then when some disaster comes along or a building burns down. It's somebody else's problem to, to deal with. So there's a lot of there's a lot of merit in that too. So that's usually like the, the question I will ask them is like, can you can you wake up in the morning, have some disaster happen, hold it together, keep moving forward? And if you think you can't, like in in your personal life, if you know, if you break up with your significant other and you just go straight to bed and just eat ice cream for three days and, and cry then you're probably not gonna you're probably gonna have a hard time <laughs> with like the adversity such a real business. experience yeah. exactly yeah. like yeah so on a Tuesday on January twenty seventh right. right exactly so um, you know that that I think is is one of the most important skills to cultivate is that just absorb whatever happens and keep moving on so yeah I think that's huge and if you wouldn't have had those traits who knows if you would have gone and hustled right that day and started calling if you were crying you know at home the whole time so it's like exactly it's the smallest slightest changes it seems like with all these stories that we hear that it's like because you thought this way, the slightest thing you did that day changed your entire course for the rest of the history of the right. company, which is right. super cool. Hey, so you know, you went from opening up that new store in Grandview after the building burned down, and now you expanded into a lot of new products, and you have a really, what I thought was really impressive was your online store. I, I, you know, after visiting thecandlelab.com, I uh, look around, and you, it looks great. It's, I'm sure you've seen great results selling your product online. And um, was it a difficult transition from the store model to selling online it was it's um you know we've got a product that is more than most products something you have to really be holding in your hand and experiencing to decide whether you want to buy it i mean you can you can look at a t-shirt online or you can look at like you know just pretty much any product that's up on amazon you can be like well that I, that seems like it's something that would work a candle is something where you have to take the lid off and smell it in order to figure it out so in the beginning i would say we we did not have an online strategy like we thought of the website as just basically an advertisement for the stores and then what happened was, just this goes back to like listening to your customers, people who were who had come in from out of town to visit Columbus, f- stumbled into one of our stores, bought a candle, then went back home again, and people who lived in Columbus but then moved away started calling the store and saying, I have this candle that I love, I, I need to be able to order it online. And so we didn't have a store right from the beginning, we had a store because we had so many customers that were calling, asking for that, uh, that then we kind of... Did a big investment in that and and started. So we have we have a version up now that is 
that you can buy candles in our other products. We have one launching here in a couple weeks that is going to basically duplicate the in-store experience. You're going to be able to go online, pick your own custom scents, turn the dials to blend them together in the proportion you want, hit a button, get a candle that is uniquely, uniquely yours. So we're really excited to be moving the custom fragrance piece online. And now, however people discover us, they're going to be able to do the things you can do in the store on the website. So we think that's going to be a take it to a whole new level. And hopefully someday, you know, mm -hmm. as computers advance, we'll be able to smell the candle right through the computer. Exactly, exactly. That technology cannot get here soon enough. Mike uh, still sniffs his computer. He's right. like, <laughs> like, like scratching his screen. Yeah, I look it up. Like, exactly. Wait, how come this isn't I, working? I sit in the other room, I'm just like, man. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are some there are some interesting technologies that are coming down the pike. I think they are years away from from mass adoption. But like, I think, you know, the time is coming when you will be able to text a scent. There, there's, there's a phone I now. I hope that, not, man. Yeah, <laughs> I have some bad friends. I don't want any There's a phone now that they are testing that, that has uh, like 16 different scents programmed into it. And so you could just, you can text one of those 16 scents to somebody and have, if they've got the same phone, to receive it on that. And so it's almost ends up being like, uh, like an emoji where, you know, you could put, you know, you could send a message and then put a little burst of pomegranate at the end of it. So I don't... It's going to be a while before that gets into wide circulation, but we're certainly watching it because that, that's obviously the key part. If we could deliver if we could deliver a scent to somebody right when they're on there in some kind of live chat and here's a sample of your scent, what do you think? Like, oh, it's a little too sweet. Can we add some more spice in there? That is this guy. That's the yeah, that's big frontier there. So Golden goose. So yes. kind of uh, yes. let's talk about a little bit. How is the selling experience different for you guys or maybe the marketing and advertising experience different from retail stores to online have you have you noticed that your methods have transitioned well or have you had to develop new strategies or? we have had to develop um new strategies the in-store you know I, i'm really proud of our in-store experience of the, we we have a staff that is just in, we've assembled an incredible group of people who can greet you at the front door and walk you through what is a somewhat complex process you know we've got 110 different scents to choose from and then about 30 different products that you can make in all kinds of different sizes, styles, of containers. So there's when you walk in the store, there's an overwhelming number of choices. And we've hired a team and developed a process where they can greet you at the door and just make the whole thing seem very laid back and accessible. And you leave with something that is uniquely matched to your nose. So the, um, you, know, you can sit down there and you can blend a drop at a time. You can make a product. You know, if you're not necessarily a candle person, you can make a, a bath salt or a bar soap or a body mist or room spray. And so whatever product you want and whatever sense you want, you're leaving with something that is uniquely yours and you have a real pride of ownership. Online, we, don't, we can't really concierge that process that same way. So we have to do a better job of storytelling on the front end to find the right person who's willing to come and take a chance on, on getting a scent. And so you know, those, the, the, the problem that we're trying to solve is the people who buy candles and say like, oh, I love this pumpkin pie, but I just wish it had a little bit more cinnamon or nutmeg in it. Or... You know, I love this pumpkin pie, but I wish it was a little sweeter with more vanilla and caramel. So you can come into the stores and blend those things together. Now online, you're going to be able to do those that same thing. So we've got to now reach out with the kind of marketing message of, have you ever, have you ever bought a candle or a, or a shampoo or something and you smell it and you're like, it's good, but, well, that but is, what, is why we are in existence. It's the problem that we can solve. So, so we've, had to, we've had to get really creative at who we're reaching out to, the story we're telling them, and kind of the sales funnel that brings them there. So uh, I'll give you one example. We, we have a hop scented candle that we smell like a hoppy, like a hoppy beer, like sticking your nose in a, in a hop slam. Um, and so we developed, so we developed that candle because I love the smell of hops. I, I go on a lot of brewery tours and the hops room is always my favorite one. And you always see in the beer commercials, the brewers picking up and they're rubbing their hands together and smelling the hops. It's fantastic smell. It's pine and citrus and resin and all kinds of great notes in there. So we developed a hops candle that we were really excited about. And so then now we have to go, like, so in store, people can pick it up. And like, if you love hoppy beers, we have a new one to try. Online, we've got to figure out, so now we have this scent. Who is it that's going to want this scent? So we start out by running uh, some kind of paid traffic to reach people who just love craft beer. Uh, so if you love three or more craft breweries that have a lot of hoppy candles in their portfolio, we're going to run a Facebook ad to you saying, hey, our new hops candle has come. And not a lot of people kind of reacted to that we didn't get a, we didn't get great results for that so then we kind of pulled it back and said well who who would probably really like this and I have some friends who are big beer guys like and they travel to these beer festivals they'll drive to Michigan in the middle of February outside and stand there to just taste beers that they can't get in Ohio 
So then we started running traffic to people who have attended beer festivals in the last six months. We got better traffic now. So now we're getting some sales, but still not, it's still not like the big reaction that we're hoping for when we develop something like this. So then I just happened to stumble on a home brewer um, website and there was a, 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 a thread in the forum about how they love the smell when they're brewing their beer, but in between batches, they wish they could get that hop smell. Because like, anybody figured out how to, how to have your house smell like hops in between the batches you're brewing. So now here's like a whole long forum of a bunch of people who all have the same problem. They want their house to smell like hops and they can't figure out how to do it in between when they're, when they're brewing their beer. So now we go back and we do a set of ads. We go after home brewers and now the, it sells like crazy. And so, so the, we, we now, we like for that month that we were testing this, we sold more hops candles than all the other candles we sold combined because we had just found the right scent and the right story to tell to the right market. And so we're, we're kind of always searching for that, that connection. And that's the kind of things you have to do online. Whereas in the store, we can just be like, if you love beer, pick that candle up and try it online. You got to be more creative about that. So it's been a lot of fun figuring that out. Like the poster child for listening to your customer. Right. Just it, yes. It's like yeah, I'm the Julius would be going nuts right now. Right. Love yeah. But, uh, you know, I think what's really impressive is that how deeply you know your, your product, not just your customers, but your product. And, and you, you knew, even down to the scent of the hop scent, like, you know, I have some, I'm onto something here, but I just got to find the right people to, to, right. to show it to. Right. And, and you know, so let's, I, what I've always been interested in is because, I've never made a candle at the candle album. I'm afraid to say, but I'm going to have will, to add we, we will fix will, that for sure. We will have to come yeah, down. I'll send them outside if you want. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is over. I'm out of here. <laughs> but I'd love to come down sometime. But So what's that process look like? And and do I come in and say, hey, I want this scent, and you guys help me through to get it to it? or? So, we, so we've got a wall of 108 different scents of candles. So it's pretty much everything you can think of. We've got every fruit and flower and herb, and then we've got leather and bacon and bourbon and bubble gum and all kinds of crazy ones mixed in there. So those candles are up on the wall and anybody can come in and buy those candles ready to go off the shelf. But everything up there is just one scent. So there's no apple pie candles up on the wall. There's an apple candle and a cinnamon and a brown sugar and a caramel and whipped cream. So if you want to come in, if, if apple pie is your kind of scent, that's the, the, the candles that you normally buy, you can come in and we can get those individual oils out, the apple and the cinnamon and the caramel and the whipped cream, and you can blend them a drop at a time because what you think apple pie smells like is different than what I think it smells like. So, um, you know, we were, again, trying to solve that, like, oh, this candle's good, but, you know, that one, that, that but is what was why, why we've been able to grow to a seven-figure fragrance business is because every, everybody has a very specific nose, and so if we set out to design the perfect apple pie candle, it's, it's just impossible to do. So what I would rather do is give you the tools to make your own version of apple pie that's different from mine. But when you go home, it's going to be perfect for your nose. And when people come over, like, oh, it smells so good in here. Oh, that's the apple pie that candle that I made at the Candle Lab. You have a, a real pride of ownership with that. So, so when you come in the door, we give you a clipboard, and we just tell you, like, just pop the lids off, make a list of your favorite scents. Don't worry if it goes well together. Don't try to have a plan in advance. Just if, Just look at the scent. If it seems interesting, take the lid off. If you like the way it smells, write it down on the clipboard. And then at the end, now you've got a list of 10, 12, 15 favorite scents. Now we can see the notes that cut through there. We can tell kind of what scents you're attracted to. Um, and then we can help you come up with a blend. And we can do that based on, you know, we ask you the room you're going to burn it in. Like, you're, you know, there's some kitchen scents that are probably Your kitchen should smell different from your, from your bedroom, from your bathroom. So we can talk about the colors and the design things if we're trying to match a look and feel of a room. If I'm coming to your house to watch football in your man cave and there's like, you know, big leather couches and a giant screen TV, like it can't smell like summer meadow down there. It's got to smell, <laughs> it's got to smell like Ron Burgundy, like the, right. you know, the, the leather and a bourbon nice and old books. And exactly. So, so, so we, we try to think of, we try to think of scent as an interior design element. So if you were like going to redo your office or your home and you're going to pick the wall color and the art and the the carpet and the throw pedals, all those things are, you're choosing those to create a feel in the room. Scent is one of those things that we can add to that list. It's something that most people don't think about when they're putting together a, a space. Um, so so we can we can work on it. If it's a specific place you're going to try to put it, we can help you with that. If you're just looking for, you know, hey, I just need a fun candle for my office to because it smells like, like copier toner there, we can drown that out. So we can we can ratchet up or down based on how complicated process you want. Um but mostly it's about you figuring out your favorite scents and then us helping you turn that list of favorites into a blend that is that is perfectly matched to your nose. 
right now. I'm getting jacked up about candles right yes. now. And, you know, they talk about passion is contagious. And I can, it's just, all of a sudden, I'm like, man, we're going to make a candle right now. Let's go. Don't, don't yes. get him jacked. We live together. Alcohol and our stairs off candles. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The, the the candles take an hour to set up. So you, so once you, once you blend your candle and start together, it takes one hour for the wax to cool down and set. And so it makes a really fun night out where you can come and pour your candle, then go grab dinner or drinks. And then you can either come back to the store and pick it up or we'll even deliver it to you. So it's a great date night. You can come and pour and then go to dinner. And just as your meal is ending, your candles get delivered to your table and you seem really sweet and sensitive and romantic. So um, <laughs> I love that strategy, though, because like when I go to like, for example, the first place that pops to mind is like Mongolian barbecue. And I go in there and they have all these ingredients. I'm like, well, I like cayenne and I like peanut butter. Exactly. And I like chicken and I like uh, that stuff right over there. So I throw it all <laughs> right. in one and I get to my table and they're like, how is it? I told you not to mix that stuff. I'm like, it's, it's great. I'm about to puke. <laughs> exactly. and, and if I had a, like a little Mongolian there that was telling me, hey, yep. I see that you put these 14 things together. <laughs> how about you do this? I would be much happier. Right. We, we, yeah, we've got to balance out the, you know, everybody's nose is different with Let's stop you from making a really horrible scent mistake that you'll, you know, that you'll <laughs> regret. But it, but the, you know, the our our growth has coincided with the rise of like the fast casual restaurants that like Chipotle and you know here in Columbus Piata and now Fusion with uh, which is kind of a sushi version of Chipotle. Um, you know, once you once you go to a place like that, then it's hard to go back to like having somebody just put a sandwich on your plate and say, "Here you go." It's like, wow, we should have had just a little bit more mayo on here, or like wish like there was one more slice of cheese. Once you know that you can go and customize those flavors and get it exactly the way you want it, then you have some more control over that, and I think those are becoming more popular. This taps into that same sort of thing. Once you once you mix your own candle or your own you know uh, bubble bath or your own bar soap, and you use that and it's matched to you perfectly, and you're like, it's very difficult to go back and just taking something off the shelf and be like, well, this is close to what I want, but not exactly. So, um, you know, it's kind of all happening at the same time. People are wanting more control over their products. So. Absolutely. And so, and you know, as, as time have gone on, we were talking about this a little earlier before the show got started, but you've expanded beyond just candles to a variety of scented fragrances. And well, was that like a natural transition or have you actively pursued, like if you had to go out of your way to move into other, for other products? Yeah. It's, it's so, um, you know, I hate to keep like beating the same dead horse, but like your customer, our customers have just told us what to do next. So, so we started out as just candles and, and, uh, and that's where the name, the candle lab came from. And then quickly people were like, well, as soon as they figured out that they could scent their own candles, they're like, well, I now I need to be able to scent, you know, my lotion. I need to be able to scent reed diffuser. So <laughs> I need everything. That's right. So, <laughs> so we've kind of slowly expanded. We ha- now have we have about fifty different scented products that we can make. They're not. We kind of rotate what's available in the stores because we're trying different things, and we don't want to make it too overwhelming for people. But we've really changed almost completely from being a candle store in the beginning to now we are a custom fragrance store that has. 50 different products that you can make to turn them. So so your all of your bath and body products, all of your home fragrance products and candles, even your cleaning supplies. We can now make an all-purpose cleaner. We can make a yoga mat cleaner. We can make a dog spritz where you can spritz your dog and scent your dog, kind of cover <laughs> up the wet dog smell. So we've really transitioned to become a, a store that's about scent. And then once, you, once we help you figure out your favorite scents and your favorite scent blends, now you can make that in whatever products you want. Um, and so we're, we're actually kind of partway through a, a, a branding process to, to revisit the name. Like we love the name and we've, you know, we've obviously had it for 10 years and it's got a lot of name recognition, but at a certain point it's kind of limiting. Like we have our door open on a busy Saturday in the short North and people are walking by and somebody will say like, Oh, let's, let's go in here. It smells so good. And somebody's like, Oh, I'm not really a candle person. And then they just keep walking. And I guarantee that person has soap in their bathroom and you know some way of scenting their home and on the other products that they're using they just don't come in because they think we're a candle store so we're kind of revisiting how to maybe take our branding and broaden it a little bit to tell that story of we're gonna we're gonna scent your entire experience we're gonna scent your entire life um because the the there's a scent to, to everything to every space during the day your your home the car that you drive to work the your office when you get there all those things have a scent we're trying to tell the story that those things should be scented consciously. Like you should be thinking about the way in which you scent it. And not all of that, you know, some people can't burn candles at work or they can't burn candles and they're in a dorm. You know, we get a lot of Ohio State college uh, kids coming, they can't burn candles in the dorm. So, 
you know, so we've got a room spray. So now you can make your room spray and you can spray your dorm room. Or if you're going on a trip, everybody's checked into a hotel and walk open your hotel door and say, oh man, it stinks in here. So if you had a little two ounce spray in your luggage with a scent that you knew you were going to love and you could spritz it that would smell like home, all of a sudden that just makes the trip a lot better. So, um, you know, that's the story we're trying to tell. And now we're trying to work to make sure that our brand, our branding and our, our brand story has expanded to tell that you know, to tell where we are now and not just where we started. Right. And do you have a cooking spray maybe that I can give to Josh so that when he makes he's got a real interesting contraption of food. <laughs> I don't have to talk all my habits. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it involves peanut butter, eggs, and protein powder all in one dish. Uh, I, oh. get, I get so, all the time. I can tell. I can see that. I can see that under your sweatshirt. I can like spray on his food to make it smell better. That is something we do not have, but we could certainly <laughs> add to the development to the R and D list. Spray some on my R and D that make sure I buy a bucket of it. Um, so and you know you may lose train of thought here but what I think what we wanted to wrap up here this is getting a mess we've covered a lot of awesome stuff we've had a blast but I think the final question to kind of walk away with is um, what do you think about Columbus currently are you guys looking to expand into other markets and what do you think about the community as a whole as a takeaway so we we're absolutely expanding um, but we're uh, so we have we have our two stores here in Columbus. We have one down in Cincinnati. We're opening up another store in Pittsburgh this summer, um, and so the, you know the store in Cincinnati has has gone well. It was a test to see if we could if we could keep the same customer experience and the same things going on with something that's kind of outside of of the city, and that's that has gone well. We've we've worked with a lot of other local businesses like Jenny's and um, that have expanded outside of Columbus. They've really helped us learn how to how to do that effectively. So we're going to do Pittsburgh this summer. We're going to open up another store in Columbus. Um, which I can't yet announce where it's going to be, but it's 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 we'll be announcing it here before the the summer is out. That we're really excited about. It's going to be a, a much bigger uh, version of what we're doing now, and so we're 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 looking at certainly expanding outside of Columbus, but mostly we're looking at how we can continue to serve the Columbus community and find new ways to kind of interact with people and for them to bring. Um, you know, to help us bring their friends and family in to do it. The, the, the new store is going to be a lot bigger than our existing stores. We have a lot of people who want to bring in 70 people for an office party or they want to have, you know, we did we do a lot of uh, fraternity and sorority groups from campus where it'll be mother-daughter weekend for sorority and they'll bring in 150 moms and daughters from sorority. And those can, that can overwhelm our little stores. And so we're, we're working on kind of an event space where we'll be able to do big groups and scale our business. So so our first priority is always going to be Columbus. It's always going to be making sure that we are investing back in the community and that we are connecting with the other businesses here. We've got a lot of great partnerships with a lot of other local businesses here that we value a great deal. So we're going to continue kind of a slow expansion throughout the Midwest, but uh, our first priority is always going to be making sure that we're, we're taking care of Columbus. And have you guys found that same camaraderie and uh, that's not how you pronounce it yeah sounds good for that's once good. Josh got it right you know for being a co-host of a right. podcast words are not my thing but uh so have you found that in other communities like the Cincinnati and everything you've branched into you know it's different in every city um you know Cincinnati has been great we're, we're down in the over the Rhine neighborhood which is a uh it's in kind of a rough neighborhood that is being reborn and reinvented and it's incredible exactly that's right it's it's so it's been down there, it's growing so fast that there's so much excitement in Cincinnati that like this place that used to be really rough is now kind of the the, the shopping and dining center of the city. So so down there, it's a different kind of interest of where people are really excited to see something turn around and kind of a an underdog success story. Um, it is not the case that people support local business and 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 uh, love their 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 local brands the way people do in Columbus. We have found that in other cities where we've gone and looked and said this would be a great neighborhood and then we, when we do more investigation there's just not that kind of support there for uh, for local business so we're we love the fact that in Columbus if you are if you're doing something interesting people will find you and then they'll support you and they'll tell your story um, you know I think I think Jenny's ice cream is a perfect example like no matter how big they grew people still consider you know Jenny and, and that company to be a Columbus brand and then when they hit some tough times like the community really rallied around them and like you know helped them ride out the tough times and now they've come out the other end and are back to growing again so um you know that kind of support is not a given wherever you go and it's something that we are blessed with in columbus definitely 
Well, that's awesome. So typically, I mean, kind of how we wrap things up is I'll, I'll give kind of some key takeaways before Mike gives his closing remarks. And I think the biggest things um, that we talk, took about from this whole episode is designing with the customer in mind. I mean, that's how you guys have built everything that you have, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, trusting your gut when it comes to certain things, you know, just knowing like, hey, you know, and, and not, I think it's not being fearful at the same time. Like if I have to, if I get hit by a brick wall, I'm just going to break through it and keep going. And then just resiliency in your mindset and be able to handle setbacks, which all kind of come together. So um, I think there's some major t- takeaways from anybody within our community and with our listening base who's listening, whether you're building a company or um, doing anything in life. I mean, that's just a philosophy on how to approach things. I think that helps you be successful. So we we'll to go ahead and close this out, Mike. Absolutely. Hey, folks, that's Steve Weaver, the founder and CEO, along with his wife, Katisha, who's mentioned a couple of times, uh, over at the Candle Lab. And you can check out the Candle Lab's website at www.thecandlelab.com, and we'll have these all these linked in the show notes as usual. But if you have any questions or comments, feel free to post them below. And uh, if you enjoyed that episode, please rate us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and go ahead and check out the Candle Lab on Facebook and all social media as well. And uh, thanks a lot for being on here, Steve, and we really appreciate it. My Anything pleasure. else you want to add to close out? No, I think that's it. Thank you for having me. This is great. No problem. All right. That's out. Talk to you later, Conquering Columbus. You could drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.